When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the 17th episode of the What If Football World Cup Daily Podcast. I am Jake from What If Football as ever. And on day 13, we had yet more shocks. So many shocks that it is more not so much shocking anymore. Ghana gained revenge over Uruguay, kind of, for 2010. But it was the likes of South Korea and it was Switzerland celebrating, joining Brazil and Portugal in the last 16. And let us get straight into it. And yes, we are here at 5am every single day here on the Sports Social Podcast Network, anywhere really where you get your podcasts and as well on YouTube with this World Cup Daily Podcast. We're going to see it right through to the bitter end, the day after the final, even on rest days, which there aren't any until this midweek coming up with the uh, the conclusion of the last 16. But regardless, we'll be here continuing to churn out that content for you. And we're also not stopping there. We're at patreon.com forward slash what's football with the world cup great games podcast chattering fantastic games from the history of the world cup as well as being on youtube with football manager international challenges with combined 11s predictors we've got one out for the knockout stage tomorrow morning so check that out and as well of course what if videos alternate football universes over there on youtube as well so without all that 
to speak about anymore. We head into Group G, where it's all ended. The group stages were over. 48 matches gone, and we have, um, well, not so many to go now. 16 left in the uh, the old pipeline there, and we'll we'll talk about the... The match that had the most ramifications first, of course, of Brazil have got the, the firepower, the names, you know, the, everything, the celebrity about them. But the, the main shootout, so to speak, was Serbia versus Switzerland. And Serbia, they went into the game still smarting from 2018 when they were defeated in the last minute by Switzerland 2-1. And Switzerland took their place in the last 16 there was fallout, plenty of it, and um, the likes of Xhaka and Shakiri both scored. Alexander Mitrovic scored for Serbia, and two of those scorers scored again tonight. And it was another 1-0 slender victory for Switzerland, which was the deficit, really, in Group G as Switzerland finished second, Serbia finished bottom, and Cameroon, thanks to their wonderful surprise, um, finished Third, unfortunately for them. And uh, that really, it, it confirms the fact that we've not had a maximum points winning team at this World Cup. You may have thought Portugal and Brazil maybe had the best chance of it. France too. But all three of those changed teams dramatically and they all three got defeated by the likes of Tunisia in France's case, Cameroon in Brazil's case and Portugal in South Korea's case, whether that will halt momentum, whether it will just help older players and squad players get a bit of a rest heading into knockout phase, well, we can only see over the next four days as we see it with the last 16 opening up today. So with Serbia and Switzerland, Vlahovic was in for Serbia. Meanwhile, Switzerland reverted to a four at the back with Fabian Scher and um, Jordan Shakiri. They were uh, back into the fold. And Serbia's threats really from the start was set pieces. We all saw how well they coped with set pieces against Cameroon the previous game. Nikola Milenkovic headed wide this time. They were set up more, more so in a 3-4-1-2 rather than a 3-4-2-1 with Sergei Milenkovic-Savic alongside Gudel um, in the number eight role. Meanwhile, Tadic was afforded his usual number 10, but this time ahead of two central attackers in Dusan Vlahovic and, of course, Alexandra Mitrovic. Serbia probably were the better team after the opening foray from Switzerland, really. Um, Andrea Zivkovic uh, cut in and hit the post. A fantastic shot. It looked for all the world to be going in. And Serbia really pressed quite high in their, th their front three. The wing-backs this time would press alongside with them. And um, it was Alexandra Mitrovic, just as he did in 2018. Same mode of uh, goal as well. A cross and a header, which... Uh, Put Serbia ahead back in 2018. It leveled things up here. Um, and Switzerland were fairly sloppy after this. Um, the uh, Serbian lads, they capitalised on it on the final third. It was gifted to Vlajovic and he wrong-footed the, uh, the Swiss goalkeeper, which is Gregor Kobel now. Uh, Jan Sommer was uh, fortunately injured for the, uh, for the Swiss. And for a time, Serbia were heading into the last 16. We wouldn't have all three of the... Uh, the, uh, the underlings in Group G exchange uh, qualification places because, unfortunately, when Cameroon took the lead later on in the day, it was, unfortunately, when uh, Switzerland were already 2-3 two, th two, up. So we didn't have the same sort of mad dash for the uh, 
for the for, it was still dramatic either way, but um, it was uh, less so than uh, groups uh, H, certainly from group E to be fair as well. And group F, it was probably along similar lines to that, really. But uh, let's to and fro from those in qualification place, and really Switzerland could have had a chance to go above Brazil on goal scored had they snatched a fourth late on, um, but uh, that was all broken up by. A lot of fighting. There was, a, to be fair, this game had a lot of needle into it, and you you just come to expect that, especially with what's gone on in the build up to the game, with the um, the Serbian flags with uh, disputed territories, um, let's say, um, hung up in dressing rooms, and of course the charges and the fallout from the previous uh, game in the previous World Cup. Um, to be fair, Switzerland they they're usually one of these placid, stoic teams that you just, uh, solid, they'll get to the last 16, they'll probably get beaten um, and they'll go out with a whimper. Here they came out swinging really, it was, uh, not literally <laughs> although that was probably more so in injury time at the end of the second half and really they looked as though the more composed, the more measured team Serbia definitely looked like they had an edge about them as though they desperately needed the angst of about winning this game um, whereas uh, Switzerland started off very calmly, they had the likes of Braylon Bolo and Granit Xhaka both testing Vanya Milinkovic-Savic inside the first minute, and Bolo could have scored inside 15 seconds or something daft. And then Bolo was a fantastic threat on the counter-attack, and Switzerland really, with with Gibraltar, with Ruben Vargas as well, the propensity for them to counter-attack in the coming rounds when they're almost certainly going to be the underdogs against Portugal, um, and if they get through that, Spain in another quarter-final against them, and they took them to uh, penalties last time in the Euros, didn't they? So they're going to have a great outlet, a great outball in Braylon Bolo as well. He's certainly no Harris Seferovic, <laughs> that is for sure. No no, no offence, Harris, but... Uh, we don't really get along. Um, it was great um, composure from Gibraltar as well to assist Jordan Shakiri, um for the calm finish for the first one. A slight deflection off um, Pavlovich, but um, you won't care, will he? And Shakiri uh, finished with a plum, and it was uh, all hands to the pump for uh, Serbia there. We just needed Granit Xhaka, really, to score to complete the, uh, the scorers from the game in 2018. But it wasn't to be, unfortunately. It wasn't to be. And, uh, he, well, Shakiri was brilliant on that right-hand side. Uh, he had that rest against um, against Brazil, came back into it and looked... Uh, well, he pulled out the best performance that he's pulled out all tournament, really. He provided Braille and Bono, Bolo with a well-deserved goal. I've always rated him and always has this incessant potential that he just never seems to find, especially in a tournament with uh, Switzerland. I hope that's about to change because uh, he is... If, um, of course, the hopes of Switzerland have been carried on the backs of Granit Xhaka and Jordan Shakiri, Braylon Bolo should be the third man in all of that. And, of course, they've got a great defence, that goes without saying. Um, but Braylon Bolo should be front and centre of Switzerland's successes for the next five, ten years, if possible. Um, he was a vehicle to move Switzerland up the pitch, and he did so for, for the wonderful team move. And, yes, Switzerland aren't fashionable. They're always this obdurate, stoic team who just get the job done going to the last 16. The European Mexicans, I called them in the preview. But here, the, for this team goal, they were absolutely stunning. Of course, Braylon Bolo gets them off the pitch. He lays it off and it's a lovely little give and go. And then Remo Freuler finds the net. With He's on a par with um, Serbia's third against Cameroon as well. And it, yeah, it was just a fantastic goal 
all round for the Swiss. He could have given Switzerland their fourth. It was a highly entertaining game. Definitely, uh, if you watch the Brazil game, I'd definitely go and seek out the longer highlights of uh, Serbia and Switzerland, especially if you like a bit of fighting in your football as well. Um, went a long way towards the end of the game as well. Um, I felt as though they, Serbia could have had a penalty in the second half. Uh, Alexander Mitrovic, is, it was a dive to be fair, but the handball um, from a, an outstretch, I think it was Fabian Scher, but... Uh, yeah, I felt as to be fair, Serbia didn't deserve to get back into the game. Um, I was, I, to be fair, I'll be honest, I was uh, preferring Serbia to get through to Serbia to get through to the last sixteen. Something a bit different. They're a bit more exciting than Switzerland. Uh, also, the stereotype goes, but Switzerland more than deserved this three-two win. And over the course of the three games, especially with Serbia's collapse against Cameroon, you've got to say that Switzerland deserve that knockout stage berth a lot more. Than uh, than Serbia do, so it's probably for football's sake a correct decision, or a correct outcome really that Switzerland have uh, eked out the six points, and perhaps just a shame that they weren't able to get top spot. Although from an England perspective, it keeps Brazil in the other half of the draw, doesn't it? Although it does bar us from uh, Brazil, Spain in a potential quarterfinal, and Brazil. Portugal in the last 16, which would have been uh, incredible, really, to see. And on to Brazil, we had the likes of only Eder Militao and Fred remaining. So again, like Portugal, like France, they rung the changes with top spot all but sealed, although it really went down to the wire in the end. And they, like France, like um, like Portugal, they fell because of those uh, changes. And like France and like Portugal, we can't really glean too much of this. It's just... The second string, everybody's been raving about them and saying, oh, they could win the World Cup, there would be a contender, the second, third teams, like they say about France. But when the reality hits and those second and third teams come out to play, it's not nearly the same sense of fluidity, the same team pulling in the same direction that it is when they are all coming off the bench and there's momentum and they are firing out the blocks against tired opponents. So that is why football is a squad sport and just having 15, 16 players who are absolutely world class um, and bringing them off the bench, not necessarily having to start some in some games and others in others. It, it's more, mainly why Brazil is so dangerous is those types of players like Martinelli, like Gabriel Jesus, like Anthony, Rodrigo, etc., etc., etc. They're more dangerous coming off the bench and it showed really in this game. There was no fluency to it. Gabriel Martinelli, I felt, was by far and away Brazil's standout attacking play. Yes, Anthony had a few flicks and tricks. Rodrigo, I felt, was quite good at progressing the ball, but Martinelli was the only one really taking a chance at goal against the Cameroon goalkeeper who looked shaky in the previous game. He looked shaky here. He, he, I don't know how he um, almost... How he didn't concede that one chance, which was fairly timid, straight down his straight on his throat really and he sort of palmed it to one side and just scooped it out for a corner I have no idea how he he kept that out not because it was a good save but because he just looks so he just looks a, a calamitous really it was um, quite the goalkeeping performance but at the end of the day Cameroon won out and Maybe they probably deserved to. There was a lot of chances for Brazil to attack Alex Tellez's side, most in particular. They very rarely took it, though, the um, the Cameroonians. Indomitable Lions, as they are known. Um, very rarely utilised that right-hand side. And 
to be fair, the goal comes from the right-hand side, but nonetheless, when everything had changed in terms of players and um, the shape of the game with Brazil trying to get that win on the board. And uh, he's a fantastic ball for uh, Vincent Abubakar gets on the end of the cross. And we had our second red card of the World Cup in bizarre circumstances. Yes, you get carried away with the moment. He didn't seem annoyed to uh, have received the red card because had he got, obviously had Serbia then scored in the last minute, Cameroon would have been through. And yes, they looked a bit better. And um, with two men up top, they played in a four-four-two as opposed to a four-three-three, which they used for the majority of the groups. But they'd have been it, the captain, the talisman would have been out <laughs> for the last sixteen, and he didn't seem that bothered. <laughs> oh, crazy, crazy! Uh, what a, an end! We've had two red cards at this World Cup, and both have been absolutely wild. To be fair, and to Brazil, they took a while to get going. They have done all tournament, but um, yeah, you can't like France and like Portugal. You can't really judge them. Off the back of this, it was it was almost a dead rubber, um, barring any miracles, uh, which nearly happened for Serbia. And obviously Cameroon got their most famous win. It's a good job on, on that for Cameroon. They've won their first group stage game in the World Cup for 20 years. And the, the opponents then were Saudi Arabia in a 1-0 win. Here it's, <laughs> here it's Brazil <laughs> in, a, in a game that unfortunately a bit like Tunisia as well. Um, and a bit like Mexico, they win, but unfortunately they are they are out. But we have our we have our sixteen teams here. But before we jump that gun, before we look at the last sixteens, we're going to look at Group H, where we had some almighty drama. Stick around with us on that one. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, and Group H was where the drama was to be had. Where Ghana in a roundabout sort of way, kind of did get a little bit of revenge over Uruguay by dragging them down with them into the bottom two places. And South Korea, against all odds, um, we asked for one normal day of FIFA World Cup. <laughs> it did not happen, at least not in the uh, afternoon, early evening anyway, of what is day 13. So 
let's start with Ghana zero, Uruguay two, shall we? Uh, Ghana made a couple of changes, mainly at fullback. Raman Babbitt was in and um, Lamptey was out as well. The clamour for uh, De, Ar- De Arascheta was um, finally answered with um, Luis Suarez in and it was the number 10, De Arascheta, who, uh, well, who was the the uh, difference maker, at least in terms of one game of football, 90 minutes of football, a lot of clamour for him to start. And if you remember, if you've been keeping up on our YouTube shorts, we planted him in there at left wing. Um, it was more of a number 10 position and um, as Darwin Nunez took up the left wing berth. But regardless, he was in finally. He didn't play, his, I don't think he played a single minute of the first two games. He certainly didn't start them anyway. And uh, he was deployed from that midfield three. Uh, we saw at very start how he could drive forward with the ball and um, it looked as though the Clamour was going to continue, going to reward him with a place in the last 16. Certainly after he uh, he pounced on Luis Suarez's shot, nodded it in from a couple of yards, very simple goal. But the second one was absolutely superb out of this world. Luis Suarez just touches it on and a first time volley into the corner. Great volley, great goal. And he was taking home all the headlines, what we've Portugal 1-0 up um, and seemingly no way that South Korea could uh, turn that contest around. It it did seem that with that second goal and a lot of defensive jumping in and Garner easily played through because they were uh, closing down very quickly and recklessly that this game probably meant a lot more to Ghana than it did to Uruguay. It still echoes more than an echo of uh, 2010 and um, that fateful quarterfinal in Johannesburg and the Luis Suarez handball and the fact that Luis Suarez assisted both goals for De, De Aris Carreta um, is, um, well, it just rubbed a little bit more salt into those wounds for Ghana, who now knew that they needed two goals to qualify for the last 16. And, well, they had the best chance of the first quarter of the match, didn't they? Um, Andre, are you off, onside thanks to a trailing Uruguayan leg? And uh, Mohamed Kudus was tripped in the box by Sergio Roche, the uh, Uruguayan goalkeeper, quite rightly given as a penalty, a long VAR check. And um, it was Andre Ayu, the only Ghanaian survivor from 2010, who missed out on that quarterfinal thanks to a yellow card suspension. He stepped up and just like Asamojian, in glaring symmetry for all to see, his tame penalty was saved by the Uruguayan goalkeeper and Uruguay, of course, after that then marched on and uh, scored the two goals, which effectively killed this game as a contest. You still had Mohamed Kudus, you know, still had the ability to to break the lines, burst forward from midfield into attack. Once again, I was pretty disappointed with Inyaki Williams. He didn't uh, appear to offer much, but uh, with the IUs off, um, I thought Bakari, the goal scorer out last time out, he was on and uh, he was quite good from the right, I, be- I felt. Um, Scooter shot wide early on. He did inject something into it. Whilst the halftime score from the other game was 1-1 um, and really Portugal were on top. South Korea didn't appear to offer anything, much of anything really in the in the uh, second half um, going forward, um, at least in the first part of the of the second half. So it felt as though Uruguay were, were tailing off into... Uh, a relatively comfortable elimination for Ghana qualification for themselves. They uh, they felt as though they could have had a couple of penalties. Cavani tripped, which probably wasn't. And then um, Darwin Nunes was 
felt as though he was tripped by Daniel Amati, but he got just a sliver, just enough on the ball. And um, the referee did go to VAR. He rejected the penalty, um, which obviously consternation for the Uruguayans. And it just feels as though this is Uruguay, Ghana, inextricably linked by drama, inextricably linked by drama through penalties. And that carried on in the second half through the failure to award that penalty. And with South Korea then scoring in the last minute as well. And South Korea's game was about eight or nine minutes ahead because they started the second half a bit earlier and um, there was a lot of added time in the first half in this game. Um, Uruguay then realised, oh no, <laughs> it's, it's uh, seven, eight minutes to go plus what was, I think, nine, ten minutes added on um, all in all um, after the allotted time to find that third goal to qualify. Um, but Uruguay, they were conceding chances that will remember Ghana still had to score two to qualify themselves. So it was a bit like a basketball match in the end. You had uh, Semenya, he had one chance to reduce the deficit, but he skewed it wide. Mari Kudus had one palmed off the post. Now the perfect scenario here for South Korea was Ghana scoring one and then not having enough because Ghana scoring one, Uruguay would need to score two. Um, didn't happen, of course. Um, end of the game, Ghana, it was essentially about dragging Uruguay down with them. And the goalkeeper made some incredible saves. <laughs> one from Cavani, which I'm pretty sure would have been uh, disallowed for offside. But regardless, it was an incredible save from a header. And there's a couple of uh, great blocks in there by Salasu, Amate, and... If it wasn't direct revenge and Ghana go out at the same time that Uruguay do, at least they managed to stop them from uh, qualifying for the for the last 16, which would have been a mouthwater in all South American tie between Brazil and uh, Uruguay. But it is now Brazil. Well, we should expect. I'm recording this before Group G. I could be well off and it could be Switzerland, but I, I severely doubt it. Um, but uh, this is the FIFA World Cup. <laughs> one normal day, etc., etc. So South Korea beat a much-changed Portuguese lineup. Six changes for the Portuguese seller South, of course. Meanwhile, Lee Kang-ing made it on the pitch from the off. And um, one of the many changes for Portugal, Ricardo Horta scored the uh, the sole Portuguese goal. Uh, he does play centrally for Braga, but he was deployed from the right here. And what was a bit of a change of shape from Fernando Santos moved to uh, what won him a trophy in the first place, the Euro 2016, and uh, 4-4-2, which he uh, deployed there, and um, Hotter was there on the right midfield. Uh, pretty decent finish as well, lovely curling effort from Adalo. As this Dallo looked very good on the right. I felt João Cancelo, one of the uh, few survivors, he looked uh, much better on the left, much better on the left, and... Um, Really, it was a 1-0 scoreline for Portugal that they really deserved, that they didn't really look like surrendering. And from then on in, South Korea needed that Japanese spirit, didn't they? Japan, of course, who had gained both of their wins against elite European opposition, coming from behind at half time. But South Korea, they did get that, uh, they did get that uh, goal to drag things level before halftime. Of course, Kim Jin Sun, who has been incredible down that left-hand side, he found the net early on, but it, it was clearly offside. He loves getting forward. I absolutely love him. Team of the tournament for me already, <laughs> irrespective of if they would have been eliminated or not. Uh, but they did find their uh, they found their goal from a set piece um, to equalise. It looked as though that was going to be one of their one of the very rare avenues that South Korea could find their goal from and uh, after Cristiano Ronaldo came off South Korea grew a little bit into it without really threatening like they were gonna like they were gonna get that goal and finally we saw the introduction of one Huang Hee Chang and uh, well 
It came from a set piece, but it didn't come from a Portugal set piece. It was uh, headed out to Song Hyun Min, who sprung the counter-attack. Huan Hee Chang was there. He made the absolutely perfectly timed run to uh, beat the Portugal defender, slip one in for himself, a 90th minute. I didn't think well. I, I didn't think we could top or at least add to the drama that we had last night. But wow, we got it in spades. And really, everybody was talking about, oh, is it going to be Ghana? Is it going to be Uruguay? Nobody was talking about whether South Korea could qualify or not. And they snuck in whilst Ghana and Uruguay were stumbling all over each other with VAR and penalties. Here we are, and we have South Korea, Japan, and Australia. In the last 16, all from AFC. That is the first time that's ever happened that they've had three Asian nations in the knockout phase. They're all on the same half of the draw, so we could get a Japan-South Korea quarterfinal. Highly unlikely, but we could. We could get, likewise, Australia in the semifinal against one of them. Again, highly unlikely, but it is possible. Anything is possible. And uh, in terms of the last 16, well, there's two matches. No break, no break, no rest for the wicked. We have got two two previews to line up for you after this short break. Welcome back to last 16 ties. Yes, the knockout phase is upon us today. No days rest. No, no, no. This is a this is a condensed World Cup, so you players do not get a rest. In one corner, we have the Netherlands versus USA. And in the other, we have Argentina versus Australia. One is certainly more exciting than the other, I would say. Netherlands versus USA, probably in terms of the last 16 draw as a whole, one of the more intriguing battles. I feel as the USA have been very good in the midfield. Netherlands will be need, need to be a lot more incisive against what is um, an incredibly high-energy USA team. Of course, um, USA will be uh, hoping on the fitness of Christian Pulisic after he came off at halftime and um, was unable to continue against Iran. If he's on the pitch, even though if he isn't, they can always rely on Brendan Aronson and, and others to uh, spring that offside trap and maybe get uh, another shock here against um, against the Dutch. And obviously, a win for the USA would equal their modern-day, I suppose, record best performance in the World Cup when they reached the quarterfinals in 2002. Of course, we are a world away from uh, 1930 and uh, somewhat of a shock semi-final for USA after uh, winning the group and then getting absolutely annihilated 6-1 in that semi-final. Regardless, the Netherlands will be uh, under Louis van Gaal, of course. Very, very good defensively, attacking-wise. I'm not, still not still not sure on them, but um, you would say that um, prioritising defensive work, prioritising clean sheets is what made the Netherlands and Louis van Gaal so good in 2014 in terms of when we got to the knockout phase. USA, we've been banging the drum that they are incredibly inexperienced and maybe that will tell in this uh, last 16. What a game to start the knockout phase with. I'm uh, thoroughly excited by that one. And then Argentina, Australia is after that. Two teams that are always next to each other on video games if you're playing a World Cup video game. A game that just does not have the feel of a knockout stage tie. But Australia, for me, have been... If not one of the, like in terms of numbers, not the def best defensive team, but in terms of spirit and in terms of um, just having the, the fire, the desire to put in a, a defensive display for the ages, one that Argentina will 
know all too well coming up against Saudi Arabia and losing that one. Um, Australia have looked pretty good defensively. They look fairly incisive on the counter, as uh, Denmark will tell you, as even France will tell you, as their goals against them uh, came from counter-attacks. And that is something for Argentina to uh, worry about. So although they did break down a um, similarly obdurate team in uh, Poland in the uh, final game of the uh, of the group stages, we have Harry Sutar versus Lionel Messi, which will be a battle for the ages. And um, yeah, I, I would love... To see, um, not really, I don't particularly have a favourite for this one way or the other, but I would love to see Australia take the lead and just to see what would happen then. And of course, this is this is supposed to be Lionel Messi's World Cup. And of course, these four teams um, all have the potential of meeting one another in the quarterfinal. Would you like to see USA versus Australia or Netherlands versus Argentina? It's both, both fairly tantalising propositions, of course, for very, very different reasons. Of course, we'll cover those two games. We'll preview... The big one as well for tomorrow, um, which we won't mention by name. But uh, we have got all the same coverage going forward through the last 16, right through to the final. Hope you join us for it. Thank you very much for listening and for watching over there on YouTube. And until then, thank you very much and silly. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.